And today's sponsor is Reconciled. Reconciled invoices your clients, pays your bills, and delivers clear and accurate financial reports every month automatically. Ready to streamline your financials and prepare your business for the next big step? Visit Reconciled.com today. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. And now a moment for our sponsors. I want to highly recommend you get Acquisition Aficionado magazine. Every month, Acquisition Aficionado magazine brings you tactics for business buying and selling you won't find anywhere else. Learn firsthand from industry leaders who share their success stories, featuring in-depth interviews and stories from leading figures in the business acquisition industry. This multi-platform mobile magazine speaks to acquisition entrepreneurs wherever they are in the journey. And I want you to visit acquisitionaficionado.com today. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast. Today I'm here with Robert Nance of Small Biz Acquisitions. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. You and I have talked a, a few times. You've been on the show once before on episode 93 for everybody out there who wants to kind of see the previous show and kind of get the, the who you are. We'll go a little bit over that. But I think we're going to jump right where we left off because there's so much information to cover and there's so many different things we can talk about don't want to waste too much time on like going all over your origin story again and everything. Let's start with small business acquisitions. Let's just start right there. What is it? And let's kind of focus on kind of what is it? And then we'll get into why you created it. Okay. Well, what it is, is it's turning to a partnership program that I partner with individuals who are looking and wanting to buy their first small business in the U S and we truly form a partnership. We talk, we figure out who you are, what you're looking for, what you're trying to do. And we move forward from there. It's very, very customized based on our individual partnership. And that's pretty much it. It's a very customized partnership between you and I. And we go from typically solopreneurs and management, mid-management that have been had at least five years experience who want to buy their first business. And that's what we do. And you've been in business for a while. We didn't do your origin story, but I know it. And some of the people who have listened to episode 93, they know it. But you've acquired businesses before. You have a fund. I mean, you, in all rights, you're, you're already successful. and You don't need more money. You don't need more things to do. You're a very successful man. What led you to want to create something like this? What, what was the need in the marketplace you thought, we really should get out and, and do something here and solve this problem? Well, first of all, I love doing it. I've always loved doing it. I've, I've been, I bought my first small business in July of 1999. I had millions of dollars in real estate at the time. I was a real estate investor, developer, and I just ran across a piece of property with a business and kind of turned it around. And that's what turned my mind, turned, turned me on to small business acquisitions. But I just love doing it. I've loved doing it all. It's something I'm really good at. What brought me back into it was that people were asking, how do I buy a business? How do I buy a small business? This program that I've created started actually in January when we talked. It was not even, it's been formalized since then, but it was just an idea. 
a market that hadn't been tested. I don't think I had any partner, maybe one partner or two partners when you and I talked. I got 12 in the last, you know, the first 45 days of the quarter, I had to cut all the, all the advertising out, just focus on the build the infrastructure back in and build a real business. And that's what we've been doing. Literally starting Facebook ads right before we got on the phone, I'm talking to my Facebook ads guy, my back office support and putting everything in, in place. Oh, there was such a big demand, a lot larger than I thought it was when we started. We had no websites. We had nothing. Right. You gave me a URL at the first show and said, yeah. don't put that in there yet, or let me, uh, tell me before you publish, because I'm trying to finish the website. And, and, uh, the first one in January, you actually put my private equity firm because I didn't, there was nothing, there was nothing. And we've come a long way since we, since you and I spoke last, uh, we've got some success stories now and large back office infrastructure in place. And so did I answer your question? I think you did. I think you did. I know this is something different. I've taken a few of the guys' courses out there. They're usually in small groups, sometimes 20, 30, 40 people in the room. There's no individualized attention like what you're offering here. Let's dive into what you're creating and why it's unique. Why is this a unique partnership? And why are you calling it okay. a partnership instead of a course? Okay, good, good. I've identified six highly unique aspects, attributes that we bring to the table. There is nothing like this in the country. No one like me doing this in the country. It is all one-on-one. -on -one. We speak once or twice a week. You have 24 hour access to me via WhatsApp. We pledge a statement. This is a big boy gang. If you don't have a million dollars in financials or at least 50 to 60,000 in cash in your account, you really shouldn't be in this space. Now, most people don't have a million dollars. We can help with that. But if you don't have 30 to 50,000 in cash, you really need to continue to do what you're doing. And I don't want to disparage anybody or I won't partner with you unless you've got 20 to 30,000 in cash. Put it that way. I, I can't have my partners not be able to buy a plane ticket to, to go places. This is a real partnership. And that, that has to be an equitable situation. A partnership has to be equitable. And so the six unique aspects that I bring to the table is that you're going to learn from me directly. One-on-one over between a 30, between a 90 to 120 day time frame. But that's really what it takes to build the infrastructure. Are, yeah. are we, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I see a lot of these guys are saying they're, they're pitching these courses like zero down and stuff. And that doesn't mean zero down. Zero down, even if you negotiate a zero down acquisition, which is rare, doesn't mean zero down out of your pocket because most no. deals are still done face to face, right? You might be yeah. able to do a few Zoom calls and stuff. But if I'm sitting here in California, which I am, and I decide to buy a business in Texas before we end up closing, if I haven't seen that guy's face, shake his hand and walked his facility, we're probably not going to close. Yeah. In, in this day and time, most of the people you're going to buy businesses from, they're 65 and older and they're still used to not being on Zoom and want to see you and, and shake your hand and make sure you don't have a limp fish handshake. That mindset is still there. It's a little, some people call it old school, but it is what it is. We target the baby boomers who are retiring. It's old school. Yeah. I know who the guys are. I know I don't want to waste my time with a partner that I know can't fulfill the the obligation of, of the acquisition, even if it's just getting in front of someone and selling themselves, because I do a lot of owner audience. That's what we do. We don't use SBA. We don't do anything like that. I could go into that that I do with my partners. I could go into that later if you wanted to. The reasons I do that, I know right off when I talk to, when I speak with someone, they're going to be able to sell themselves to the seller. I can do the rest. Mm -hmm. but these, these are my operational partners. These are people that I'm looking to operate these businesses. If they can't sell themselves, if they have no background, if they have no management, if they have no business experience, uh, I'm just not interested. I mean, some people say, well, that's direct. I said, well, I don't sell courses. 
I'm partnering with you and I don't make money until we buy companies. And that's me. Let's do a deep dive on that. What are the qualities that you look for in a student or partner? You guys call them partner in a partner. And how do you tailor your training to that? Because everybody, I'll tell you right now, I ran through the ranks, right? I'm prior military. I came out of the military. I worked in the corporate world, ended up in management in the corporate world, ended up as a senior director running over 187 people. And I didn't have a P&L responsibility until I was at that level because I worked in tech startups, right? Even though I had 187 employees, I wasn't responsible for the profit or loss of any division of that company. Is that one of the criteria if somebody has to be able to understand how to look at a balance sheet and understand stuff? Or what is it you're looking for in a partner? Uh, what level of experience and management? Let me go back a little bit further. I, I went okay. off course a bit. And let me tell you what we bring to the table. Okay. And, and then I want them to understand what we bring to the table first and what we're looking for. I think that's very important. Again, we bring me, my skill set. I've been buying for 24 years since 1999. And it's one-on-one, it's live. That's another story. We're trying to create some interactive course, be involved. That's going to be next year, if, if any way possible. We're trying to figure out the best way. Right now, it's all one-on-one. You have 24-hour access to me. You ask me questions. We pledge a million dollars in your financial statement. So you can be viewed as a legitimate buyer. We supply the down payment for the acquisition. We pay all the due diligence costs. And we give you 60% of the deal. Plus, we have all of our back office support system, CEO, CFO, director of sales that come with the deal. We own 40% of this deal, so we're going to support you and have you run it. Now, what you've got to bring to the tank is there's going to be a, a financial investment. I can't bring all my time. This is my time. We're going to be talking for the next six months to a year. That's really, in reality, that's what it's going to take. 30, 90 days through the course, our individual is just you and I. There's no course, it's you and I. Then after that, we start, you go into a partnership mode with me. I've got six people in that partnership mode who, who don't book every week to talk to me, but they have access to my calendar directly. So I know when they book on my calendar, it's mm -hmm. with, with a new broker or we're talking to, a, to an owner with the broker. Mm -hmm. Usually I talk to brokers. At this point with those guys, in the beginning, I've talked to all of them. We do everything together one-on-one. -on -one. But at this point, for those guys that are out of the course, that are in a partnership now, they book on my calendar, typically for owners. When I talk to the owners, when I start to cheat the deal, um, and I follow them. We follow each other. We share documents. We speak. We, we talk all the time. But they, they have access to book on my calendar at any point that it's, that's available. But what I look for in a partner, I just look for someone who has experience. I target market, U.S.-based, 35 to 55, who has business, solopreneurship, solopreneurs, or yeah. mid-management. And those are the, that's my target market. We're giving you everything, but we can't be on the ground operating this business for all of our partners. You've got to have the ability to, you, you have to have experience in operations. Because the last thing my guys want is to get calls from you, to get low-level calls when you should know that. If that makes sense. You know, there's right. certain questions you just have to know. I can't teach you. You have to have done the deal. You have to have been there. You have to operate it. You don't have to have run a round no. business, but you need to have operational experience. At least five. You, you don't want to call somebody, call you and say, Hey, I need to hire somebody. How do I go about hiring somebody? Plus they yeah. want, they want it for free. And those typically go hand in hand. Hey, I want to outsource this. I don't want to run the business and I want this for free. I don't want to invest in myself. And that's really what I kind of ask them. So you're asking me to invest in you and you're not willing to invest in you. We're not partnership. We're not partners. We're not meant to be. 
you're looking for operators, people that are going to be on the ground at the location, being the whatever title they give themselves, CEO slash owner slash, I don't even want to call it general manager, whatever title they give themselves. They're running the day-to-day operations responsible for profit and loss responsible for growth of the company with your mentorship and guidance. Yes. However, we tar- we only target companies who have key employees in place. And when right. I say key employees, I, I, we look for people who can step up, who can, we can promote to the day-to-day operations. Yeah, these people need to come in. My partners need to go in, implement new process procedures to make sure that the people we hire have the capability of running. And we do that in the due diligence process, but we need to make sure, and, and typically everyone we buy have these people. It's just that the owners, the sellers, are not wanting to cause any, they're not, they're not wanting to make any waves. Once you have that mindset of selling, you're not making any changes. You're just right. And that's what these older guys are doing. All these sellers are the same. All these employees are the same. I know them intricately. I know what they want. They want to run a business. They have the ability to, but the sellers are keeping them down. And that's what we look for. I have created a scale called the absenteeism scale. And it's a typical scale for zero to 10, 10 being a guy sitting at home on his couch, receiving a check, maybe talking to his brokers, maybe talking to his manager once a week, maybe twice a month. And he has very little motivation to do any type of real owner financing. We actually target companies that are two or three where this poor old seller has been working this company for 30 years, 20 years, has key employees in place, just doesn't have the skill set to keep the processes and procedures in place. He's got a million dollars sitting there as his baby and he's just hanging on for dear life because it's, the company's ready to grow. And that's right. what we target. Real quickly, and we target, and that absenteeism skills is directly, it correlates directly to the multiple that you pay for a business. That individual that's sitting at home talking once, once or twice a, a month to his, maybe more, once or twice a week, once or twice a month to his managers, that's an investor. That's a multiple of six, seven, eight in, in the industries we look at. The guy who moves in with everything with a sack lunch and doesn't leave his, doesn't leave his desk, that's a multiple of two. So we create value just by implementing, putting in place absentee owners. That's who my partners are. We create that absenteeism to where they can go and buy, but they're not buying a job. They're buying a, a business that's highly capable in a six to eight month period of becoming very high. So you're wanting to buy companies where, yeah, there may be an owner operator in place, but your goal is to take these partners where they're not pulling 60, 80 mm-hmm. hour weeks. They're actually running a successful company because of policies, procedures, and the right team without physically having to technically be there on location 40, 50, 60 hours a week? Well, the first three to six months, you're going to have to be there. Definitely. We're going to have to be there and you represent us as the operator. Don't look at, you have to know what operations look like. So we put process, we help you put process procedures in place. We put sales divisions in place, whatever's necessary, but you're, my partners are the feet on the ground doing this. Then once we do that, you manage it. You've got managers in place. You're able to manage it absentee, depending on what we can put in place, how strong the employees that we promote within are sometimes we have to hire from outside, but typically promoting from within is our best course of action. If you're looking to promote from within, what is the number of employees, like the typical business size? I know it depends on the industry, but typical business side needs 10 plus employees, 50 plus employees. What are you looking for? 
so that there's a decent talent pool in there that you can select from and hire from within. You got typically 15 to 20% of the employees at wholesale distribution companies who have the capacity or the capabilities of managing, who typically have been there since inception with the owners, start the business with the owners. The owners and, and these employees are ready. They're ready to manage. They know how to manage. They see that the mistakes the owners are making. And I can't say 100% of the time, and I want to say 100% of the time that I bought these businesses. They had the key employees in place that stepped up and could do the job better because the mindset's different. They want to prove themselves. Yeah. The, owner, the owners, hey, I'm in charge. I know I, I'm the best of this. In reality, they're not. We, I think we had this conversation last time. They're just not. We look for these low tank brick and mortar businesses that these owners have been working for 20, 30 years. Of course, they're going to think they're the best. But there's so many more value adds that we bring to the table. And honestly, the key employees have so many ideas that they create value just by listening to them and promoting them. Yeah. One of the things I've, after all the interviews and all the people I've talked to that are selling their business and stuff, one of the things I've learned is a lot of people say, don't make any changes for the first 30 to 60 days when you're, you own a business, just observe. I don't think that's right. I think the thing to do is to talk to every single employee and said, if you could change two things, what would it be? And then take your list of what you did when you did your SWOT on the company, your strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats, align with things that needed to be changed with things that everybody in the company the majority of the company shows it, and then you show that you're making a positive impact. They're getting what they want, and you don't have to wait. Like I get a lot of the gurus and the people that come on here, and the advisors and people with you know Harvard and Stanford MBAs. I'll tell you, when you buy a company, just observe for the first sixty days. Don't change anything, and I don't think you have to wait that long to make an action. I think that I'm asking you as your opinion on this. I think that there's an opportunity to talk to the employees, see what they know needs to be changed and see if that aligns with things that you've already detected and start making movements from day one to well, that. That in itself is change because now you have a new owner who's listening as right. opposed to the one. So, and the reason I'm saying this is that there's a couple of schools of thought. Mine is that my, my biggest concern, all processes and procedures in these small businesses are in the head of the owner. None are written, zero. Zero, not at this level. My biggest issue with making changes, big changes, I'm going to eventually piss this guy off because, and he's not going to believe in my changes. We're going to argue. I've got to extract that information from his head and put it on paper before that straw that broke that camel's back, it has, has, has been put on, on the camel's back. I'm not sure if that even makes sense, but it, it, I, I think the point, eventually we're going to have a dispute. Because the owner, even though he says, hey, I'm good for change, it needs to be changed. Really, he's saying, oh, shit. I didn't make this change. Why didn't I make this change? Or he's got, maybe this change isn't going to work. Maybe I'm not going to get paid. Because he's carrying 50, 60%. That's no. just, you know, it's an art. It's an art. And that's why we have to be involved. We can't be just shoving these changes down. Or, there's no way I wait 60 days. You know, they, I'm able to make changes pretty quick. But right. there's an art to it. And they eventually... You go piss them off. This is their baby. No, this right. isn't going to work. I tried this. Well, and, and it's an art. There's an art to that. But you can't yeah. say, no, wait 60 days, wait 30 days, no, wait two days. It's an art. Oh, it's an art. It was, uh, you always hear people, well, we, we've already tried that. Just a little bit. We should try that again, right? Back to the yeah. battery. Those cool processing procedures are in his head. 
and you've yep. got to put those down on paper before you're right. Oh, we've already tried that. Okay. Okay. No problem. Or kick rocks. I already know how to, and we know what's going to work. And you're exactly right. That's an art. It's, it's, there's just art you've got to figure out what's, what's the best way to start implementing changes. Okay. Let's go back to the uh, partnership stuff. What are the yeah. benefits for the partners? Like, what did, what do they get out of this? Uh, there's multiple avenues to buy a business. You could go, if you have 50, 60, $100,000, you can go get an SBA loan. And uh, now you have a, a, a debt funded acquisition. What's the benefit from working with a, a company like you or a person like you and a company like you have your team behind you, as opposed to just going the traditional route of, I'm going to go take a big loan and buy something? Well, let's just address that. That's the worst idea of all time. Even with people who, even me, and if you listen to a problem with me, but first time buyer, we target, we target first time buyers. We teach right. first time buyers how to buy companies in the U.S. with who have certain skill sets, it would be like, what's a subject that you know nothing about that if you went into it by yourself and put up $50,000 and you, if you didn't succeed, you would lose it. Just imagine that. Any of the listeners, just imagine that because that's what you're doing. An SBA loan is going to collateralize your house. It's going to collateralize your car. It's going to collateralize your firstborn. You're going to lose everything if you don't succeed in this business because they're going to say, I'm here. You should have done your due diligence. They don't, you don't even know the first thing about it. You understand? I know a lot about due diligence and I never do SBAs. That's the whole reason I do owner financing. Owner financing in my contract, in the LOI, it says if you have not disclosed the liability, let's say it's two, we pay $10,000 a month. If you've not disclosed the liability of the company and it comes up, we're paying that liability and we're subtracting from your payment. So let's say there's a $30,000 payment. Seller's not getting paid for th three months. Now, he may argue, we may have to negotiate something, but that liability is getting paid immediately. Now, what's going to happen if you, you have an SBA loan and that liability pops up? You're going to pay the liability and you're going to pay the loan each month. No. Now, I don't have a problem with cashing these guys out after six, eight, 12 months because you know the skeletons. The, the bottom line is you just don't know where the skeletons are hidden in these privately held companies. None of the financials are correct. And that's what I hear people, well, there's fraud, there's this, that tells me they don't know how to structure a contract, which you shouldn't. You've never bought a company before, yeah? So the benefit is you have me. You have my contracts. You have me one-on-one -on, -one on a daily basis talking to these sellers and explaining to you why this does or doesn't work. You have, in our consolidated financial statement, we're giving you a million dollars to pledge towards this tour so you can actually become a legitimate buyer. I give you the down payment. And remember, I'm doing this because you've, we've been together for 90 days, for 120 days. And I know now that you know what you're doing. I know now that you know. I know because we spent the last 90 to 120 days together. And their benefit is that they're learning a skill set, a lifetime skill set. They know from now on how to go buy businesses. A lot of times with nobody down. It doesn't mean you, can't, you don't have to have any money to do this. I had $15 million in real estate and my first deal was no money down. It cost me money to do the deal. And then you know, we pay, we, we'll pay all the due diligence. That's the benefit. And we'll, you get 60% of the deal and you have zero risk. That's the big thing. There's zero risk here. Well, there's risk of time. There's risk of maybe a couple of thousand dollars it's going to cost you to, there's opportunity cost, of course, but there's no risk like an SBA law. I've resisted even considering the SBA loan just because the majority of my 
retirement income, whatever you need to call it, it's tied up in real estate. If I take an SBA loan, every single property I have is pledged as collateral against whatever I buy, yep. right? I don't want to risk something that's solid, done, and working for something that is new. It could wipe. I could buy a business big enough to wipe out my entire real estate portfolio if you don't watch it, right? Yeah. Especially when these banks go to start selling stuff off and they sell everything at a discount because they don't care. They just want it sold fast because they want to cover their, their. When they go to foreclose on you, if you don't, if you don't, a business is nothing like real estate. A business, whenever the first wipes, when the first forecloses, there's no second. There is no third. In real estate, there could be. I've yeah. had a third a piece of real estate before that was legitimately a third. Well, you know, I, I'm the one that gave it. But real estate, it's gone. I mean, businesses, it's gone. There's no business left. There is no income. Yeah. They, they, they wipe you out. And that's what the SBA will do. Yeah, what I was saying on that, though, is when, they, when it comes time to it, if you default on the SBA loan, they're not like, here's a good example. I know a buddy right now who has $11 million worth of real estate and he's buying a $5 million business. He bought a $5 million acquisition through SBA loan and he, they listed every piece of real estate he had, all $11 million worth of assets. And it's all going up. That's his equity in that, those assets right now. I said, you do realize if you default on that business, it's all gone. No, they only have to sell this business property and this property. Like, no, they're going to put everything up for auction, sell it for pennies on the dollar to pay it. And you're probably still going to owe them a check. You've collateralized all of it as one package and the bank's not going to, if you ever watched a bank sell bank owned property, it, everything starts at an auction process at 60% of the drive-by appraisal by the county assessor. And that's what your property is going to be done. The opening bid will be 60% of whatever the, the county tax man thinks that property is when he drives by at 70 miles an hour. That's how it works. I used to run a foreclosure business that bought houses out of foreclosure. That was my previous business. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. We bought and sold hundreds of homes that way. And we did commercial real estate. We watched commercial real estate that way. I know how the process works. It's governed by, in most states, by law, right? Yeah. So they can't change the process. A lot of people don't understand what they're committing to when they actually sign an SBA loan. No, yeah. Outwrapped SBAs, it's dangerous. I only do that when people come to me and say, I love this business, and I don't have the money. I say, okay, I'll explain the process. I get everybody's attorneys involved. We can, you can wrap it, but there's a, a dual sale clause like, like, like nobody's business. Like, you're getting into real legal issues because everything is leaned. All the receivable, all the accounts payable. You've got to be very specific. You can't wrap it like you can a regular real estate loan. You've got to do it to where there's no change of ownership until such time you have the cash to, to buy the SBA out. Real tricky, real tricky. I don't like dealing, dealing with them. And I only do that when I'm helping someone out of a jam. We don't do that. We don't buy anything with SBA loans unless we pay a lot of closing, which it's going to be, it's going to be a low amount. Right. Let's talk about it. Can you tell me some success stories and examples where somebody's worked with you, you bought a, a company and, and it worked out? Well, that's what I want. That's what I was just thinking about. She brought me a deal. This was before I was partnering. This was one of the ones who made me decide, let me stop. Let me restructure this because there's a lot of money I'm leaving on the table. Mm -hmm. And they weren't going to get the deal done. Attorneys, CPAs, everyone was involved. And I explained to them that you're going to jail if you do this deal. The way somebody's going to jail because you're selling assets that the SBA has, has collateralized. You can't sell these assets. And so we did a parcel wrap and the ownership didn't change, but the contract to purchase the business, well, I think it was three, maybe six months later. 
and I think she's one of your listeners, but I'm not going to name her, but I think she's one of your listeners and successful. They, they waited three months. I, I, I don't know exactly the time frame, but we restructured the whole deal. And three months later, we did a second closing. It was a, du- a dual closing. The first one wasn't a cl- transfer of the title, but they had to close within a certain amount of time once the down payment was saved in the account or the, the money to pay off the SBA and closed it. And today's sponsor is Reconciled. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner thinking about your exit strategy? Or maybe you've just landed a business through acquisition and the books just aren't the way you need them to be. Let me tell you about Reconciled, your dedicated partner for industry-leading virtual bookkeeping and accounting services. Reconciled pairs you with skilled professionals who empower you to grow your business and prepare for success, whether that's your exit or taking that new acquisition to top performance. Imagine having high-level financial management without expanding your team, from bookkeeping to CFO services, tax advisory, and even fully outsourced accounting, Reconciled has got you covered. They help you make the best business decisions, keeping your end goal in mind. And the best part? Reconciled understands acquisitions. If they have acquired three accounting firms in the past three years, and their founder, Michael Lee, mentors others in searching for acquisition, raising capital, or trying to aggressively scale. Reconcile invoices your clients, pays your bills, and delivers clear and accurate financial reports every month automatically. Ready to streamline your financials and prepare your business for the next big step? Visit Reconcile.com today and let them get your books in order. Reconciled, making bookkeeping a breeze. That's Reconcile.com. Yeah, I'd like to see the, I've never pulled up the a copy of the SBA loan agreement because I'd like to look at it. There's a concept we use inside of the real estate, residential real estate, that some people teach as a beginner strategy, and I think it's a really bad idea to do that, but it is a strategy and it works. It's called subject to buying a house or a property subject to the existing mortgage. And I think it's an advanced strategy, and I, th- I wish people would quit teaching newbies how to do it, but it's very legitimate. If you do it right, you set it up right. And I'm curious if you got to read the language and the do and sell language inside of the SBA loans and stuff to see how they trigger or whatever. I'm curious if you can actually buy a business subject to an SBA loan. Not SBA. I wouldn't do that. And even what they're doing is they're wrapping that deal and they're just foregoing this. They're, for, they're not taking into account the dual and sell clause. There are dual and sell clauses in those deals, but they're not giving them any importance. And so that's yeah, important. well, the problem with that is, is it's still a foreclosure process. So if they call the note due, you still have X number of days before they run their legal due diligence and call the note. I mean. Like they, what would happen to do on sale is you got a $5 million outstanding loan and they say you still owe $3 million on it. They see that the asset transferred or they know there's a new owner and they basically send you a cease and assist order and say they're calling the do on sale clause. Now they're going to have to go, they still have to, in most states, they still have to go through a legal proceedings in order to foreclose on property or anything else. And they're going to go off the original owner because that's what's leveraged. That's what all the yeah. original owner is going to be responsible for all that debt coverage. And then to be honest, you've got until like that court hearing to, to write them a check for that and pay that loan off. Cause once you pay it off, there's nothing they can do. There's, a, there's actually a division in the private equity firm that's looking into that right now, but to be a lender. And so mm-hmm. they're working through that. We've talked about doing that the last two months mm-hmm. and looking into that. I'm not heading that. I'm not into that anymore. I'm, I'm just into the acquisitions, but I do like the idea. I just don't understand it completely yet. If you look at it, why would, like, those SBA loans aren't very long, right? So why would somebody have bought something with a loan, utilizing that loan, and then wanting to sell it? Now, I can see there's business expansion loans, too. SBA actually does more than just purchase loans. 
So somebody might have they might have SBO loans on their books for expansion, and not had been originally acquired by one. But they're going to have the same. They're government loans. If you ever ever looked at a government loans, they got more clauses in them than most restrictions and clauses. Good example, for instance, is the USDA loans inside of residential houses have a occupancy thing. They can do occupancy checks on a USDA loan when you buy a house. And if you're not there, we actually had one of our clients that we had when we were uh, buying foreclosures. She moved to Texas, let her dad move in the house. The bank with the USDA loan knocked on the door one day and said, we'd like to see speak to so-and-so. She wasn't there. And her dad's like, that's my daughter. She moved to Texas and they foreclosed on her house because really? she had a, she had like on a 15-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage, she had so many years of occupancy to get the special rates and discounts she had to have. So those, well, those government loans have teeth. Well, that kind of proves my point of why I only do exactly what I know. Not many things right. in this world I know how to do. Buying company is, not, is, is one of the things that I know how to do very, right. very well. I am. We're hard money lenders. We'll do hard money lending all day long because I'm from the real estate world. And, and subject two is one of those issues, one of those pieces that we're looking at. Not in the commercial side, but in residential. We really have to do our due diligence for us step. Approves us stepping into something new, venture, especially now that we're, we're buying businesses and back in investing in businesses, which we love. There's some overlap inside of business acquisition and real estate and some of the terminologies and some of the strategies work across. And I'm still trying to, I brought up the topic because I know you have a lot more experience than I did. I was curious. I know you have a real estate background too, and I was curious on what your thought on it. So I'll pause the idea and dig deeper too, just because there's just a lot to discover there. Next time we can talk about that. Next time I'll go. Because the subject okay. two is something I just ran across. I know probably if you're talking to one of the biggest players, but these guys like us, when they have the money, if, if anything ever happens, they've got the money. They've got the hard money lenders. You know, we've got hard money lenders yeah. and we are hard money lenders. We have the money to come in and pay it off. But you can't get into these worlds with no money. These are big boy sports. As I tell yeah. some of the guys who call me with no money, these are big boy sports. You're going to get in trouble if you come into this world with no money. Yeah, you need to, and, and unless you have a partner, like me. Yeah, you got a partner, a financial backer like you guys, right? We tried to acquire a fairly large company, one of the first ones we actually went through. And because they had outstanding debt, they had a, a little bit of, they had about $4 million in outstanding debt. They were doing uh, between 15 and $25 million a year in revenue on a decent profit margin, big concrete plant. We basically offered them a really low down. We're going to assume all their debt, take over their debt and make their monthly payments and everything, and then run the company, do like a, we were doing like a 65, 35, we're going to take 65% of the company. And the debt structure is what stopped us. Basically, because of the way those loans were written, they had to go to the primary bank, and one of them was the IRS, and say, hey, we're going to sell the company, these guys are going to take responsibility. Here's a letter of intent from them that they'll go through the qualifications with you to take over the responsibility of that debt. And they just said, we're not transferring that to, to nobody, especially well, both the bank and the IRS said, we're not transferring that reliability to anybody. You can't sell this asset. Yeah. Typically that's the case. They're not, SBA is never going to transfer the day. You've got to pay it off. These were private banks, but yeah. They're private. Thing, yeah. Yeah. So SBA is twice as stringent as those private yeah. banks. SBA, they've been doing this a while. They know what they're doing. I would ever, I would never do anything to hinder any type of a type loan. Oh, the ones yeah. I, I would think about, but yeah, they're never going to let anybody out. Well, you've got to figure out a way to pay it down at four million. It's just too much to pay on a company that's only doing fifteen. Yeah, well, even that, the profit margin was really low compared to. I mean, it would have taken us years and years and years and years and years to cover the four million. So it wasn't worth it. That's what we kind of had is like, well, call us when you structure that debt differently, or we can do yeah, something different. Yeah, I mean, they could, but it's it's difficult. Those numbers yeah. are up. Yeah. 
So that's a very difficult situation. Let's go back into like, let's go back to your program. We talked about like the partnership benefits. We talked about that. We know that it's a 90 days of six months to really get educated. And your search starts at day one, I bet. They can start bringing deals to you pretty soon. No, that's some of the, some people think that. Mm -hmm. But I'll break everybody down to zero. And I'll okay. teach them what deals to bring. Okay. I, I, really look, I teach them what to look for. Okay. And that's the, for some people, especially whenever they tell me, I've got a deal. So I was, listen, and I'll structure it. Sometimes I'll, I'll do something. I'll charge them the same amount. Very nominal. Nothing almost. It's nominal. And I'll say, if this deal doesn't work, we'll go into the partnership program. No additional, no, I don't have a problem doing that, but I don't want you, if you brought me a deal, the wrong deal at first, there's a reason for it. Let's figure out why there's a reason. Let me teach you what deals we're looking for and how to look for them so you don't mm -hmm. keep me the wrong deals because that's the key. We're more of a whole. We look at about 10 to 15 deals at a time. You have a pipeline I built that I share with them and they put companies in the pipeline. And the first two to three weeks is just going through the companies that you're putting into the pipeline that we, that we talk about. We, you think you're the, the right deals. And we, and I explain to you why it's not, why they're not the right type deals. Is there industries you like and don't like? Like, are there other industries that like, I, we want X, Y, Z. This is kind of the profile, these type of industries. And we'll follow up with that question. Are there industries you won't touch? So let's start with the, can you give us the high level without having, like, we don't have enough time to give the full lesson here, but we have enough time to give me a high level. Brick and mortar wholesale distribution. So brick and mortar wholesale distribution. This is like warehousing. They're taking stuff in at one price and selling at another. Taking it in at a wholesale, yeah, when we buy truckloads and we, we send it out hot shots. That's the ultimate business to where there's mm -hmm. two forklifts, a manager in the warehouse, maybe two, three girls in the front, or it could be guys these days. Typically, they're, these are all businesses. And that, that's on the basic level. There's going to be, mm -hmm. there's going to be 10, 15, 20 employees in there, a lot of forklifts because we're doing we're like three to five, maybe depending on your skills, how can you run an $8 million company in sales? But that's what we look for. We don't like a lot of value add. We don't want to, if we're selling to a Home Depot or Lowe's and we're getting white paint in and they've got a standing order for 10,000 gallons of pink paint to this number, we'll pop the lids, add that pink and put it over. But nothing custom. It's just, we want as few people running, touching as few products as possible. That's our ultimate business model that we want to buy. It's interesting. I know like in, and every city has these two. He passed away recently. I tried to get him. He, he had three businesses and the one he wanted to sell me, I didn't want, but I wanted his primary business, which him and his dad run. So he didn't want to sell me, but he did an electrical distribution, which every electrical, even Home Depot and Lowe's in town got certain, he had the licenses for all of that area of Oklahoma and certain products had only come through him through these major distributions. And he had a giant warehouse and when Home Depot needed X number of switches, they got it from his warehouse. When like lock supply was one of those things where it was a plumbing supply, they needed electrical components, they got them from him. So everybody kind of had to go through him to get these. He had like all the top brands. He bought their distribution for that state. So if you needed electrical in that state, it went through his warehouse and he, he stored it and shipped it to all the locations. Is that something similar? I know and there's one in Tulsa, locks one that's plumbing. So if you need plumbing supplies, pretty much all the plumbers get everything from lock. And there's one for yep. heat and air stuff. We should B2B, B2B. We don't do B2C. No. I'm exploring some government, governmental contract type industries that are B2C, actually mm -hmm. from one of my partners that came on board. She's in this field, medical, also medical, I like also medical distribution. 
because nobody wants COVID to come back, but COVID yeah. those companies shut up. I like to learn. So if a partner comes in, like for instance, her last week was her first week and what she's doing now is testing. She's testing to the two different industries. And tomorrow we talk again and we're going to analyze, I'm going to analyze the deals with her. Why do you find these answers? Tell me what your thought process is. Because typically people come in that want to buy a company, they just don't really know what they want or they don't know why they want it. The industry is something they may be familiar with or something they're interested in going into. But I, I dive deeper out. I, I look at financials. I'm an investor. If I can mm-hmm. buy a company at a two multiple, a multiple of two, that's a 50% return. A four is a 25% return. And the higher these multiples go, the less return it is. Math. Luckily, it's basic because I could do that. But I'm looking for a, a multiple of two. And that's what I'm buying at. 1.8, yeah. 2.5. That's a big return. One of the coolest companies I got to look at, and I don't know, funny thing was if somebody go, calls me up and says, hey, I have a friend. He's thinking about retiring. You need to talk to him. Like, okay, what does he got? He said, it's a medical distribution company, but he only, he has all the contracts for all the uh, ambulatory. So all the fire, all the ambulance companies, all, all the rescue type of, I almost said pararescue, all the rescue companies, uh, emergency medical rescue, that type of stuff. Forest strangers, all their kits, they come, he, he does the distribution for them. And whatever they need in their ambulance, he sells. So I get him on the phone. He's in a retired fire chief for the area. And she goes, I don't know what she'd ever tell you that I'd never sell this business. That was his conversation. But he did tell me about it and how it worked. And it was very profitable. He had a decent sized warehouse. I want to say it was not huge, like 15,000 square foot pallet racks. And he stored everything you'd ever need in an ambulance and everything short of the medicals. Like you couldn't get the drugs from him. Like he wasn't a medical rep for those, but all the devices, all the gauze, all the the defibrillator, the the one they use in the ambulance, he kept, you know, the two or three different models. That's what he kept. And it was just like, I said, well, do you, do you supply the medical supply community around here? Like, you know, all these little offices you see on the you know, strip malls, like if they've got the wheelchair accessory, like, nope, just ambulances or just rescue type of stuff. And he was doing seven figures, decent seven figures. I don't know what she ever told us. I'm retired. I don't have anything else to do. If I sold you this, I wouldn't know what the heck to do with my yeah. time. Now yeah, he had an end because he's, he's the old fire chief, right? For the whole town. So everybody knew him for a long time. He was fire chief for 10, 15, 20 years before he retired. So I like those type of businesses. So yeah, they're interesting. There's a lot of things out there. When I get in this space, one of the things I love about it is I'm a little ADHD, right? So there's always something new. It's like, I didn't even know there was like a, like a company that distributes. I figured those guys all order their stuff from a magazine or something. But no, if they need something, they need it today. He goes, a lot of stuff. His, like you say, hot shot. A lot of stuff that ambulance calls a heart defibrillator broke. He needs to get one there in an hour. Right, yes. or that ambulance can't deploy, right? That's, right? that's why they can't buy from the people we buy from. We're buying from these big manufacturers and buying a, a lot at a time, but they, they may need warranted products and you've got to have pop shots there to send them out. And that's the value add. And that's why I like these businesses. I just like the business. It's a good model. I can build it quick. We can different types of integration. I don't want to talk about that really because I focus on first time buyers, but there's a yeah. lot of things we can do after the, after the first acquisition. And that's the industry I like. And then for those of you, I always like to, I watch you using specific terms that nobody else knows but us. For those of you who don't know what a hot shot is, it's just a courier. Somebody can deliver something on the spot on the fly. It's common where I'm from because there's actually oil and gas companies that are all, all hot shot companies. So if, if something breaks on an oil rig, there's companies that will hot shot stuff to them immediately. I know what the phrase is just because I'm around it. I grew up around, like yeah. I know fr- two friends that actually owned hot shot companies. They basically... They had various types of trucks, like everything from UPS looking vans to semis that you could call them within and it would call them. And five minutes later, they had somebody heading your way to get, pick up something to take it somewhere. Now they charge great rates for it. They do. Right? It's a wholesale distribution company, a B2B wholesale yep. distribution company who part of their model is that they have to have those little 
cars or trucks that went to a restaurant or Lowe's or anybody who they didn't get their, maybe they didn't get it all, all the order. Maybe they forgot to order everything. And you got to ship it out there. You got to be ready to ship it out there. Yeah. It can be all within, within the day, same day. Right. So let's talk about, let's go back to the program. <laughs> we keep circling right. back around here. I take it that there's a cost to the program. I mean, you, you, your time's worth well, money, yeah, right? It's not necessarily about the money. I think you, since we've talked that free isn't always valued. I make my money when I close. I'll tell you what I charge. I charge $35,000 and 40% of the deal, but I defer up to 30,000 to closing. So you never come out of pocket more than $5,000. Now, that's the current cost. I, that, that deferment's going to go down and, and the cost is going up. But the companies that we buy have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of assets. There. So, and, and you get your 5,000 back at closing. I just want you to have skin in the game. I just told you what I bring. And mm -hmm. I, I bring those six aspects that no other person that I know even consider bringing. The down payment, the pledge to your financials, the due diligence cost. You get 60% of the deal. You have access to me and we do this one-on-one. -on -one. And you have a skill set after the fact that's going to, that you have, you're able to buy companies by yourself for the rest of your life. So that's what I bring to the table. And tip coaches ask, okay, what, what do you think that's worth? Literally, what is that worth? If you don't have $5,000 and you don't have, and you don't have faith in yourself, because I know I can buy companies. I, mean, I, I, I don't even have to even attempt or pretend to prove that. Mm -hmm. If you don't have faith in yourself, if you're not going to follow through, I'm not going to be the one here holding the bag. Yes, well, it's $5,000, maybe $7,500, maybe $10,000. But it's nothing compared to what we're bringing to the table. And that's so let me recap. So right now I see the entry, the entrance criteria is five years plus experience. They go through some interview with you to qualify as a partner. They've got $5,000 down and they can show you that they've got between twenty and $60,000 in some form of cash liquid assets that they can put in on a deal or travel and cover expenses if they need to, to get to places. Does that kind of encapsulate? I, I know there's a lot more nuance to picking the right partners, but I is that kind of- you're scraping by with, I know that whenever we close a deal, you're going to have $5,000 in your pocket because you're getting that money back. If right. you get, I know you have enough money to travel and you have to use right. my, my credit cards. Again, uh, yes. I, I've got one or two right now who are just hungry people that 5,000 was, was a lot of money to them. And that's good. I, I, I like it. I like 5,000 to be a lot of money to you. But at the same time, if you got 30,000, 5,000 is a lot of money to me. Because I know I'm not wasting my time with these guys. And I just don't want to waste my time. Look, you know, I don't make money until we buy a company. I can't buy a company if you don't do the work I teach you to do and tell you to do. So there's got to be a cost. And even when someone comes in and says, can we defer? I don't even... I just tell him, what you're asking is just unfair. You're not a tech partner. If you don't have any self-respect after I tell you everything that I'm bringing to the table and faith in yourself, why am I going to invest in you? I can't see a reason to invest in someone who's not going to invest in himself. With as much as I'm this is a, literally a no-brainer if you truly believe in yourself. Yeah. And, and you've got industry experience. You've got everything. Uh, a lot of people, they just, even people that come out of, I've interviewed so many people and had so many people in hang hangouts and stuff like that. There's this thing, I call it the imposter syndrome. There might be a, a better term for it, but I've had people who like, I just sold a, one of the guys was like, I just sold a $2 million company and I don't know what to do when it comes to buying my next one. They have this, they don't think they're qualified or whatever. 
just having you behind them and knowing that like I've got somebody that's done this a dozen times, two dozen times, who has a fun behind it, who has <clears throat> experts behind him. If he doesn't have the answer, he can reach back to his experts and ask. That's a huge value add. Just with the values, just with the two podcasts that you and I have done, now that I've explained the cost, if they don't see that I'm a partner, I, I don't I, If they don't see the value, when I go back and listen to the podcast that you did, the original, I was like, Jesus Christ, if they don't get it from here, now that they know the cost, in my mentality here, I'm very direct. You're getting your five in, in six, seven, eight months. Don't think it's going to be $5,000 because economics 101, economics 101, supply and demand. And we're just now bringing new partners back in after we had mm-hmm. 11 in the first 45 days. Nothing. So don't think it's going to be 5000 It's all about supply and demand. So, but the cost is 35 right now at the end. And you get 60% of the deal with nothing, with zero. Well, I know the first step to get started because we talked about it. And I have, I'm going to have put that link in the show notes, which is, there's an application or a way to apply at www.smallbizacquisitions.com slash exit. So we know it's from the show. But what is that process other than them going to there, filling out a form? They fill out that form or they reach out to you through that website and say, hey, I want to be one of your partners. What's your next step? What should they expect? Well, I don't know if you saw me swiping. I'm on my phone. I've had two applications since we've been on the phone. The next step is you're contacting me. There's nobody... If you want to text, it says text Robert now, you're texting me directly. Mm-hmm. You fill out the form, as you saw, I swiped twice. I've had two applications come across. And we talk, we set up a call, we talk, and we figure it out. It's all, it's all standard. What I bring to the table, you've got to bring certain skill sets to the table as well. And be willing to invest in yourself. This is not a lot of money if you're a legitimate buyer in this space. And you're right, back to this guy that built, a, he built that company, right, and sold it. But he never bought one. Building a company is a completely different skill set than buying a company. A complete mm-hmm. skill set. Those type guys are first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. I still want to work with those guys. And I don't have a problem if you bought one before, but I'd have to, in general, under the bell curve, or the eighty percent, eighty-five percent. I want first-time buyers who have experience in management. It, it, it just seems to be less complicated. Yeah. But I don't invest in people. My, my firm doesn't invest in people who don't go through this program. So, I, and I, have, I just haven't set that up yet. If I, I've got to know that what you're doing for me to put the down payment down. I get that. Absolutely. So what's the future goal of this? Where does this all lead to? Uh, I want to follow up that question with the one thing I'm missing in my head. Let's go circle back for a second. We're, we're going to do the future goal of the uh, small business acquisitions. But uh, let's go first and say, What's the long-term goal for the partners? Are they growing these to be hold codes, long-term hold? Are they growing it to grow and sell to private equity or some type of exit a year, four years, five, 10 years on the road? What do you envision, or is that different for every partner? Yeah, we went over this the first one. You just remembered. It's different for every partner. Now, I've got 40% of each deal. So Mm -hmm. my was exit. Of course, exit. This is residual income. I'm making this as easy as I can to get as many partners as I can. This is simple. This is a no, no, if you're a legitimate guy who has the skill set, this is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible to get as many great partners because there's tons of business. I get anxious when I think about how many businesses that we're not getting because I don't have enough partners. So yes, it's an exit for me. It's an exit for everybody. Now, if they want to hang on to them, great. I don't have a problem. Owner financing the deal to them. Everybody's different though. But yeah, it's residual income with an exit. Yeah. I, I have the ability to 
wrap that up and sell it to 40% off. You're still in control. My partners are still in control. I'm, again, I'm really good at structuring deals. This tour, my partners are in control, not me. I do have the ability to sell out my equity piece, but they're under the same regulations. If I sell them off, they're the same regulations as I. I don't have control, but my partners have control and hopefully make it mine. Okay. So what are the short-term and long-term goals of the small business acquisitions? Well, the short-term over the past since probably April have been just putting infrastructure in place to handle the demand. And now we have it. I'll, when I build companies, when I build anything, I'll, I'll look at scalability and sustainability. This wasn't a business when we first talked, when you and I talked in January. It was just, a, I mean, I, I'd proven the model and I, I knew I could do it, but how, how much demand is there? What comes to find out is a lot of demand. A lot of people, as you know, you, you interview people all the time, you talk to people all the time. There's a lot of people that want to know how to buy businesses and make sure that they're I don't really throw anybody under the bus, but there's not many people doing this that really know how to buy businesses. And you probably know that as well. I, I, I don't want to throw it. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but you've got to really be able to share a situation. Cause I had a, I had an app the other day. Well, how do I know? I said, well, go just watch these videos. If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, you don't partner with it, it's, it's just pretty simple. Are able to discern and make judgments. That's who I'm looking for as partners. And buying a course. We, we talked about this in the first, it's just very difficult to learn how to buy a business through reading a course. Right. We're watching a few videos. I get that. So let's just jump right into, I think we're covered everything. I'm sitting here trying to think if we missed anything, or I think we've answered the questions fairly in depth. Let's do the favorite. The way I wrap up all the shows is like, what advice do you have for individuals who dream of owning a business? Like if they could remember one thing from the day, but even if they're not ready to pull the trigger, what do you want them to walk away with? Like when they're considering buying a business or considering or trying to figure this out, what do you want them to remember? That we're here. Small business, business acquisitions is here to partner with a first time business buyer who may not have the capital, probably doesn't have the, the knowledge, who may not have the down payment. And then wants a partner to lead them through that process. That's what we're here for. If, you, if you're not ready, you're not ready, but we're here. The model's proven. We're building that infrastructure spending a lot of money on the infrastructure and we're here. This is our, what I think is going to be our biggest business in the next two years, bigger than prominently fair. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. I think we covered everything fairly well. We'll call that a show. I don't want to announce our new channel partners, the ITX marketplace. Since 1998, ITX has created 5 billion in value by selling more than 225 IT businesses in 20 countries. ITX works exclusively with IT-enabled businesses generating between $5 million and $30 million who are ready to be sold and M&A decision makers who are ready to buy. For over 25 years, ITX has developed industry knowledge that helps determine whether a seller is a good fit for their buyers before making the match. ITX Mergers and Acquisition Marketplace, we have partnered with, has a proprietary database of 50,000-plus global buyers seeking IT service firms, managed service providers, Microsoft service providers, software-as-a-service platforms, and channel partners with Microsoft, Oracle, ServiceNow, and, and, and the Salesforce space. If you have an IT-enabled business you're ready to sell, I want you to visit the IT exchangenet.com slash marketplace how to exit that link will be in the show notes visit them now